0: Hey, go. Hey. Slendy. Hey, go. Hey. Slendy. Hey. Hit it up. Heart. Hit it up. Heart. Hit it with a strike. Hit it with a strike. From the national anthem. anthem. To the bottom of the night. I've been. Hey. Hey. Slendy. Hey, go. Hey. Slendy. Hey, go. Slendy. Hey. Slendy. Hey. Slendy. Hey, go. Slendy. Hey. You already know what's up. Uh, what's that? Another home run. run. We you know the job ain't done. Yeah. Till we hold that trophy up. Hey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 431 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is July 23rd, 2023. And the Padres, they won two out of three against the Detroit Tigers in Detroit, the final series of that long 10-game road trip. Finally, that road trip is over. The boys will be back at Peco Park tomorrow you Darvish bobblehead night Padres and the pirates. And then I believe next weekend it's the Padres hall of fame thing uh, with Bochi in town uh, and the Texas Rangers, obviously. Uh, but yeah, this series, I mean, cool. They took two out of three. That's kind of my initial thought, but then you realize, look at the road trip in totality and they went five and five and it's like, how much longer they can they afford to go 5-5 five and five on a 10-game stretch, right? Like, especially when there were many winnable games in this road trip that they didn't win, it's not like they got blown out in the games that they lost, and it's like, yeah, they were never going to win that game. It's not like it was those Ryan Weathers games all the time, right? Um, I'm saying Ryan Weathers game. I mean, in Philly, right, I think it was game two of that doubleheader in the first series of the road trip. After Blake Snow had pitched the first game, the 75-pitch thing, he threw like 82 pitches. But going in, he was thinking around 75 pitches. He was sore and tired, blah, blah, blah. Weathers is on the mound. And going into game two, I was like, eh, I don't have high expectations for this Padres team to go win this game. Uh, it wasn't like it was a bunch of those games. They had opportunities to win games. Um, I think two of the last three games of that Philly series – probably should have won the series finale against Toronto probably should have won a lot of runners in scoring position opportunities, right? Today, they didn't have a whole lot of runners in scoring position opportunities, but you felt like, okay, you have Joe Musgrove on the mound. He gave you a quality start. It's a game that you want them to win, you know, and they went out a winning road trip, obviously six and four. If my math is correct there, if they would have won today and, Instead, it's five and five, and it's like, okay, well, before the all star break or going into the all star break, they're in the same place, you know, at at least in terms of games under 500, four games under 500 at 48 and 52. They're six games back of a wild card spot, and that is with three, all three Arizona, San Fran, and Cincinnati, all three of those games not being completed yet. So we don't know what the results are of those games. Um, and so like. You look. I saw some fans, right, and I, when I posted on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, yeah, 5-5 five and five road trip, um, took two out of three against the Tigers. Some wanted to look at that like, yeah, took two out of three. That's a good series. Hey, took two out of three. If they take two out of three the rest of the series, the rest of the season, excuse me, they'll be a postseason team. But are they going to take two out of three the rest of the season in every series? No. Baseball. It's, it's it's baseball. It's not going to happen. The Braves aren't going to do that the rest of the year. The Astros aren't going to do that. the The best teams in baseball, the Orioles, the Rays, they're not going to take two out of three the rest of the season. And this Padres team sure isn't. So you can't rely on that and be like, yeah, okay, well, if they win every series, they keep doing this, they'll be a postseason team. That's not going to happen. So they need to go on some type of big run, not taking two out of three, but like. Have a winning streak here because you can't rely on all the teams ahead of you to lose series because that's not going to happen the rest of the year either, right? So I don't know. Today I'm a little frustrated because the first two games of this series were good. 5-4 win, had Robert Suarez come back. That was great. And then on Saturday, win 14 to 3, just an absolute blowout. Campy has a four-hit game. He homers. There were a bunch of homers in that game. It was a laugher. You love seeing the Padres have a lead and a position player on the other team pitch. So great start to this series. And then the series finale, as I said on my post-game reaction today, kind of just felt dead. You know, just wasn't a whole lot there. Weren't a whole lot of runners in scoring position. So, you know, you look at the runners in scoring position numbers, if you look at the box score today, And the runners in scoring position, one for six. So it's not like they had, it's not like they went one for 10. It was one for six. So it wasn't great still with runners in scoring position. But for me, the problem today was like, they just didn't have a ton of opportunities with runners in scoring position. And the double plays really hurt this team today. Three double plays in the first six innings with uh, Fajardo on the mound for the Tigers. And some of those were with, Kim getting on base, right, I think, to to either lead off the inning or that was the inning-ending double play. And it's like, man, could have had something there. And then in the ninth inning, kind of felt too little too late. Um, Javi Baez makes that air, right? So Bogarts reaches on the walk. Crony has a ground ball. Game probably should have been over there. Baez makes the air. Crony gets to second base because Bogarts was on third. Crony gets to second uh, on the wild pitch. It was raining a little bit there at the end. So maybe a grip, maybe loss of grip was a problem there for, I think it was Lang who was closing the game down for the Tigers. Second and third game time run at second base. And Gary ends up popping up. He drove in the Padres only run in the game. So that was good. Uh, but yeah, it was just, I didn't really feel like the Padres were ever going to go win that game. It was different today compared to yesterday in game two, because sure the Padres were down yesterday, but early in the game, you know, after that rain delay, they came back. And all of a sudden, you know, after the Manny three run home run, it was a four three lead for the Padres. Right. And so they had a lead. They had 14 unanswered runs, right? It, It was early that they got those a big fifth inning. Right. But here, they were trailing, they were trailing, they were trailing, they were trailing. And they get one run back, and it's like, okay, cool, 3-1, but did you feel like they were going to have a rally again? I just wasn't really a successful rally, I should say. I wasn't really feeling that. And Joe wasn't his best outing, made a few mistakes, and the Tigers were able to capitalize, hitting a couple home runs, but I didn't think Musgrove was terrible. Uh, the RBI single there for the third Tigers run, I believe, is when that single happened Uh, Tatis had a great throw and Gary just dropped the ball. I don't know if he would have been out. Maybe he wouldn't have, but it would have been a close play. It was, it looked like it was a close play. And then you saw Gary drop the ball and it was like, Oh, you're seeing the replays a few times. And it's like, it's another great throw by Nando and it's kind of those, what just another, what if, what if Gary would have grabbed that ball? would that runner have been actually out and it would have been a two nothing game, I believe at the time, but still the Padres didn't score two runs. So it's not like it really mattered at the end of the day, but yeah, just, um, I mean, let me know your thoughts in the comments. If you're watching this on replay or if you're in the live chat here on YouTube, let me know your thoughts on this road trip on this road trip. Again, Padres go five and five. They lose three out of four to the Phillies. Two of those last three games, they probably should have won. Two first good games in Toronto, win those first two, lose the series finale. A lot of runners in scoring position opportunities couldn't cash through. Win the first two games in Detroit, lose the series finale. Just some inconsistency on this road trip. And considering that there were games that they should have won, I'm a little disappointed with this team being 5-5 and on that road trip. And my main question coming off of this is, how long can they continue being 5-5 and in a 10-game span? I know that was a long road trip, but we've seen the inconsistency all season long from this Padres team. So when are they going to turn it around? Are they going to turn it around? When are they going to go on this winning streak that is four games or more? They're going to have to do that to make the postseason. I guarantee you, if they make the postseason, they will have – a long winning streak and at least four games because the inconsistency the inconsistency you see it in the schedule them not being able to win those four games so you know Detroit bad team cool they won the series but could have swept uh, i thought you know good chance was going to happen with Musgrove on the mound um and the Philly series you know starting off it feels like it was such a long time ago but They had three nothing leads all over the place in that series and they end up losing three out of four. So painful, painful five and five road trip, I would say, because they could have been six and four. They could have been seven and three and they ended up not. So I'm a little disappointed by that. All right. Hopefully there's. uh, I allowed a chance for people to come in here uh, and just be a part of this stream if you want to join the show click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat just getting going here just had some initial thoughts there on this series i will go through the comments if you want to make sure that i get to your comment or your question and it supports the channel if you use that super chat button please please consider that thank you so much in advance for anyone that does that uh seat geek use my code talking friars $20 off your first order. There's a homestand coming up against Pittsburgh and Texas. I forget what's after that. It might be a series in Colorado. I think, I think it is. Series in Colorado um, during the deadline. So that'll be interesting. Uh, but yeah, $20 off your first order there. And then breaking great San Diego Sports Swag, uh, Padres, Aztecs, Wave. There's even U.S. women's national team stuff there. If you want to support Alex Morgan and Naomi Gurma, we'll get to that here at the end of the show. Uh, but yeah, use that link there that is in the description it takes you I believe right to the San Diego sports um, link the sports section there so I definitely encourage you to do that Um, so yeah I mean those are pretty much my overall thoughts for Sunday's game kind of that what I just went over there Um, I I did want to touch on the Matt Carpenter thing Matt Carpenter Luis Camposano who should have been DHing if you're looking at it, as I said on my post game reaction, if you're looking at it just from an offensive viewpoint, Luis Camposano should have been DHing over Matt Carpenter, but Bob Melvin he probably didn't like the matchup. But at this point in time, like you know, Matt Carpenter sucks. You know he's struggling. I saw somewhere he's like two for his last thirty-seven. I don't know if that's true, but if that is true, uh, it's not surprising. He's not good. He's not helping this team out. So offensively, yeah, you have Campy DH, but if you use Campy as the DH, if Gary gets hurt, Campy goes and catches, now you're going to have to use a pinch hitter every time up, or you're going to have to have the pitcher hit every time up uh, when the order comes around. I think that's the rule there uh, because they have two catchers, so the, the backup who's DHing has to leave that spot and go catch. So I think you lose the DH. So maybe that played into it, but right now where the Padres are, in the wild card. They're still under 500. It would have been really nice to sweep this series, get this win today. I think it probably would have been better to have Luis Camposano be the, pit, not the pinch hitter, be the designated hitter over Matt Carpenter, especially after Campy had a four hit day yesterday and homered, like swung the bat well yesterday, uh, started the day before that. You know, resting him, that's not, you know, there's a rest day, I think, on Thursday, right, before the the Rangers series. He can rest then. Uh, I'm sure Gary will catch one of these Rangers – or is it the Rangers? The first? No, Pittsburgh is the first one. Um, before the Rangers series, there's the off day. And then the Pittsburgh series, I'm sure Gary will catch one of those days. So he can rest then. Um, where this team is at, they need to win ball games, And you're facing a bad Tigers team. Let's take advantage of it and go win that finale. If Campy was in there, I'm not saying it would have been a guarantee that the Padres would have won the game, but I would have liked him hitting in that situation where Matt Carpenter struck out after Gary brought in the Padres' first run of the game. That's for sure. So, I don't know. I guess Bommel's not a believer in momentum like I am as well. Um, I'm not a, a big believer in momentum, but I'm just looking at the numbers. Who's the bigger power threat right now? All that. I'm going campy over Matt Carpenter. Uh, Saturday, Padres won 14-3. Friday, they won 5-4. Those were good games. Uh, we'll start with Friday's game. Soto had two home runs. The first inning, 447 feet. The third inning was 463 feet. I believe I saw a graphic during the series that said that that Juan Soto's second home run was the longest home run in Com- at Comerica Park so far this season. So that ball was crushed. Crony had a two RBI triple after Soto's first home run there uh, in the first inning, so got out to a hot start. I love that. You know, Crony he is really comfortable hitting in Michigan, hitting at Comerica Park, uh, and hopefully he can continue hitting better. Uh, but I feel like I've seen, I've said that before multiple times this season. Like he has a good series, maybe shortens up his swing, goes the other way with pitches. Maybe you don't see the results, like a bunch of hits in the series. Now he did triple a couple times. You did see some of the results, but sometimes, you know, it's a sack fly or a ball hit to left field where he hits it. Well, it just goes right to someone. So you don't really see the results all the time, but I I feel like multiple times this year, I've seen like this type of series from Jake and then he kind of goes back to maybe having a longer uppercut swing and he just can't really find it consistently this year. So, that's been frustrating a lot to watch, but don't, don't get it twisted. Crony's going to continue to be in the lineup. like Partly because of the options that they have. Other than him, it's not great. And they gave him the contract. He's one of the leaders of the team. He's still an asset defensively. So I think the Padres, they believe that, or at least that's what you're going to get out of them if you do ask people with the Padres. Um, I mean, I'm not allowed to, but if you ask people from the Padres or the media asked Bob Melvin, he's probably going to say, we believe Crony will turn it around. It's been a rough season for him, but we still believe in the talent. You know, Preller probably wouldn't have given him that contract if they didn't believe that he could continue to produce. So we'll see where that goes with Crony. Uh, Lugo, pitch pretty solid, six innings, two earned runs, six hits allowed, three walks, seven punch outs, a home run given up on Friday. Uh, A big situation was in that second inning, bottom two, and maybe the Padres end up losing this game because they only won by one run. Maybe they lose this game if Seth Lugo did not get get out of that situation there in the second inning. Bases loaded, nobody out, and Lugo punches out Akil Badu. And then he struck out Jake Rogers as well, their catcher, and then got Zach McKinstry to ground out. So huge, huge spot there from Seth Lugo. Padres had a pretty big lead, but then the bullpen happened, right? Um, I think it was Nick, right? Nick Martinez, he gave up a home run there. And, yeah, right now, it, it sucks to say, but right now can't trust him in high leverage situations. And that game ended up being close. 5-4, Suarez comes in. In the eighth, 1-2-3 inning there. Hater comes in, 1-2-3 inning there. Hater has a .97 ERA. And Suarez obviously a zero because he just started his 2023 season. But, yeah, as I said in my postgame reaction on Friday, I could get used to that suarez hater combination for sure. Eighth, ninth inning. We were used to it last year, and it worked out pretty beautifully. This season, that was the first time to see it. And it sucks that Hader and Suarez did not pitch. Well, it didn't suck yesterday because they blew him out. But today it sucked that Suarez and Hader weren't able to pitch because the Padres didn't have a lead. And for, I kind of liked having Suarez's first opportunity being a high leverage spot. Just throw him in right there, like, dude. You've missed more than the first half of the season. You missed the whole season so far. So you're making all this money. Sorry, you're not getting a soft landing. You're going in there and you're pitching. Go not go go pitch a shutout inning for us. You know, get it to Josh Hader. Go do your job. And what the. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu, and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so I have no idea what's going on. There's a loud noise in the garage, so let me know in the comments. Can you hear me when I'm talking? Can you? Okay, now it just stopped. Hopefully it doesn't go again. When, when that noise was on, can you hear me? Like, could you hear me talking there? Because I don't know what I was going to do if that noise continued to happen. Um, That was weird. But I'm just going to keep talking because hopefully that will not continue. And um, that was just a little five-second thing. Yeah, okay. Lee says, we still heard you. Okay, good. So if that happens, hopefully I'll just talk loud and hopefully you'll be able to hear me. And if that happens, it'll probably be a shorter show because I don't want you guys to have to deal with that. Um, okay. <laughs> Matt says, it sounded like a chainsaw ready, chainsaw ready to murder you. No, I think it's, yeah, I think you're right, Dinos, 5150 air compressor. Um, I think my mom is trying to not have a flat tire on her scooter thing, so... I think that's what it was. Okay, where the heck was I? I was talking about Game One. Suarez hater. It's great to see, but for that combination to happen more frequently, the Padres are going to have to have leads, right? And they're got to They got to be more consistent on the offensive part of the field, obviously. A uh, part of the game. I mean, so like I talked about earlier, first two games of the series, good. Five runs, fourteen runs. You obviously take fourteen runs, but then today one run and they were getting shut out. They did get shut out technically by Fayeto because Gary scored or Gary drove in bogey after the Detroit starter had left. So it's the inconsistency still, you know, five and one going into the all-star break, then lose three out of four to the Phillies, take the Toronto series, but can't get the sweep, take the Detroit series, but can't get the sweep. Just frustrating. It's frustrating for this Padres team um, or us watching this Padres team has been frustrated. You know, the Padres are frustrated. Like, I don't know if you guys, if everyone was watching the Peacock broadcast today because it wasn't on regular TV. So some may have not been able to watch the game and you're just tuning in to see what my thoughts were on the game. Cause you didn't catch it, but Tatis there was a camera shot in the dugout of Tatis slamming like the seeds. I don't know what the seeds did to him, but slamming his helmet against the seeds. Uh, after he grounded into what was the third double play for the Padres of the game uh, against Alex Fayedo, so uh, they care. They're pissed off. They want the sweep. Obviously, Snell wanted the sweep against Toronto, um, and he he kept. If you remember, he kept the Padres in that game despite walking seven guys. So it's just it's just frustrating all around, and I still right now currently right now. I don't think the team's going to make the postseason. I've, I've thought that now for how long? A couple weeks at least? I think. At least a couple weeks. And I, I'm one of the more optimistic Padres fans, but I am looking at this and it's like, okay, well, it's not early anymore. And the inconsistency of the offense continues. And look at the deep hole that they have dug themselves in. And when they try to get out of the hole, they kind of – they're, they're almost up, but then they stay right there. Or, you know, the, the hole digs deeper to back where they were, you know, because a five and five road trip, you know, before the All Star break, like I said, they were in this same spot in terms of their games under 500, same spot. And all that has happened now, good moments on the road trip, but all that has happened is more time is ticked off the clock. That's all. That's all that's happened. And you look at the wild card, they have the best run differential among them and any team that's ahead of them in the wild card standings. But run differential is not what gets you into the postseason. The wins and the losses do. And the inconsistency is what attrib- That's what, yeah, attributes to the great run differential for the Padres. But we would all take a bad run differential and a wild card spot. But that's not what it is right now. Uh, Saturday, so they win 14 to 3. And Jackson Wolf made his big league debut. I want to hit on him before I hit on the offense here. He got sent down before today's game. Pedro Avila got brought up, uh, which I'm not surprised by. Like Wolf, he did his job, allowed a few runs, five innings of work. He only struck out once. And I was kind of surprised by that because. You look at his numbers, and it's not double A, I understand. And he definitely knows that now. Um, but in his double A numbers, over 100 strikeouts, I think 20 walks. So it's a good ratio there for Jackson Wolf. But yesterday, he didn't strike out really anyone. One strikeout, 75 pitches. But I got to give props to him. Obviously, he did his job and he got plenty of run support. Like that has to feel amazing in your big league debut for your team to score 14 runs for you that's got to feel amazing. Like no pressure on you. Now he was down three, nothing at one point. So I'm sure he felt the pressure, but at the end it was like, Oh, okay. That, That was pretty, that was a pretty easy game there. And I loved seeing his family all excited there in the stands. And, um, you know, because obviously most families, if not all families, they put so much into, at least the parents, you know, their kid, um, trying to get them to professional baseball get drafted get seen by scouts just before getting drafted and all that and getting seen by college colleges to get them into a college if they're not going to go the high school draft route like they put so much effort uh into getting the kids to practice and i'm speaking from my parents or just from my point of view my um experiences with my parents you know taking me to ball games when i was younger and i'm not I was never drafted or college scholarship or anything like that. But just even for me, I know how much time my parents put into that and the money that is spent for travel ball and all that. And so for them to get that moment where they get to see their son, um, the girlfriend gets to see his boyfriend, her boyfriend um, pitch, you know, achieve his dream, get to the big leagues, Uh, that's got to be a pretty, pretty cool moment there. For the Wolf family, um, and his brother was his brother. I think it was his brother. And his mom and his dad were sitting there, like they were more uh, tense. They were—I don't know what the word to describe it is—but they they were worrying more about about Jackson Wolf's outing than Jackson Wolf was. Is what it felt like. I'm not saying Jackson Wolf didn't care. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it just looked like they were more nervous. That's the word. They were more nervous than Jackson Wolf was on the mound. And Jackson can control things to a degree. They can't control. They, they, they're they just watching. And Jackson, long rain delay, obviously, in that game. And I knew that he was going to go out and pitch after the rain delay. Like, they're not going to go to Honeywell that early. Props to him, by the way. 44 pitches yesterday. Saved the bullpen. Uh, now, the big guy's. Cosgrove and Wilson pitch, but Hader and Suarez didn't pitch. Um, so did he save the bullpen a lot? Not really, but it was still big in the moment. 44 pitches there from Honeywell, but they weren't going to bring him in that early right out of the rain delay. Wolf, it's his big league debut. He's not going to have it court, cut short just because of a weather delay. Um, what would he have finished with? Less than two innings of work, I think, because it was the second inning when the rain delay happened, right? So. Yeah, he was definitely going to come back as long as Niebla and Bomell was going to let him come back. And so good for him finishing five innings. And in terms of his future with the Padres, I kind of said this on my postgame reaction yesterday. I don't know if he's going to be a starting pitcher for the Padres, like long term and stick in the rotation, start in, start out. Maybe part of it is because of the velocity, because sure, he has some deceptiveness to him, the delivery. Is not some ordinary delivery coming at you from the left side. But when lineups see you repeatedly, I think the the deceptiveness, say that five times fast, I think the deceptiveness can go away, um, or not go away totally, but you're not going to seem, the hitters are not going to look at you and probably be as worried Going into an at bat if they if they've seen you for a couple times in a game, if they've seen you 10, 20 times in their career, right? Like they're gonna expect certain stuff from you. Um, so we'll see how long he sticks. Uh, and I in terms of like him pitching at the big league level, he's obviously off the roster already. It was just a one-day thing for now. But he's back in double A. We'll see if they promote him to A at some point maybe get him some consistent triple a time before they bring him up to the big league level but yeah the, the velocity doesn't blow batters away and i don't know how many strikeouts he's going to have at the big league level like double a obviously it's it's different than the big league level right so it was a good night for Jackson wolf it's obviously a night that he's always going to remember uh obviously the rain delay played a part in there the weather delay i don't even know what they called it there was it was heavy rain They probably should have just delayed the start of the game if they were going to delay the game in the second inning. Memorable, uh, but I I think for now, he's definitely not like a a long-term starter for this team. Michael Walker, by the way, why Michael Walker is not pitching, for anyone that's wondering still, shoulder fatigue, and he's just starting to throw again. I think he just started throwing. It was either in Toronto or at the beginning of the Detroit series. Just started throwing again, so... He's not going to pitch again until August. And who knows how the heck how effective he's going to be. So he's not going to get traded. Um, I, I don't think he would have been traded unless he was healthy going into the deadline. Because he was pitching really well, obviously. One pitcher of the month before Snell did, right? But yeah, the injuries, unfortunately, with the shoulder, the injury. Uh, got to him and so he's going to be a Padre at least for the rest of the season and isn't he he's technically under like a four-year contract if he takes the player options I think or maybe it's combined with the player option and mutual options so he could end up being here for a while and this injury if he didn't get hurt I think he would have probably went into free agency because he was pitching really well it's a mutual option for next year. So I'm looking at Spot Track here. If the club option is declined for 2024 and 2025, which I believe that's right. I think I remember that when this contract was agreed to. So people were talking about 24 and 25. They have to agree on those options before 2024, I think. And so it's either a yes for 24 and 25 or no. If they say no, then there is a player option, three separate player options, player option for uh, 2024, six and a half mil, then 2025, $6 million player option, and then another $6 million player option for 2026. So complicated contract, but it could end up being a four-year deal for Michael Walker through 2026. Do we want that? I I don't really have a, a great answer on that right now. Um, offensively, you know, hit on Wolf there offensively, it was great. But then what happened today? You know, it's it's just the inconsistency continues to be frustrating, and that is that's what continues to be at the forefront of my mind. It's not, oh, they scored 14 runs off of the Detroit Tigers. Great. I'm not looking at it like that like the positive view like I was at the beginning of the year I'm looking at it more from the pessimistic view just because this team hasn't showed you that they can go on a long run and they can be really consistent offensively look at the lineup yesterday eight out of the nine guys got a hit and Trent Grisham he even even though he went 0 for he scored a run drove in a run walked once so he was still contributing to the win like You'd love to see that more consistently, right? And until we do, I'm not saying you have to score 14 runs consistently. That's not realistic. But until we see those more consistent offensive outbursts, uh, just score, you know, five runs a game for a stretch, it's going to be hard for me to believe in this team. It it just is. It really just is. Uh, Injury update real quick. Reese Kinnear. Tommy John surgery. He will miss all of 2024. So that's a hit to the Padres pitching depth. I'm not going to act like this guy's Sandy Koufax, but he is a guy that the Padres can call on. At least he has been able to call on. Uh, The Padres have been able to call on him in the past, but he's going to be gone for 2024, which I think brings Ryan Weathers more into the spotlight for sure. And Jackson Wolf into the spotlight a little bit more. Um, So that sucks to see for Reese Kinnear, obviously. He hasn't pitched terrible for the Padres when he has been called upon as kind of like a mop-up guy, last guy in the bullpen, maybe make a spot start. So wishing him the best, obviously. And on the minor league level, I did want to mention this. Dylan Lesko, Lake Elsinore Storm, that was his debut for Lake Elsinore. uh, At home, I think facing off against the Dodgers affiliate, the Quakes. And he ended up going three innings, did not allow a hit, did not allow a run, struck out four guys, walked three. And the video is online. You can go find it. I posted some on my social media uh, at Talking Friars on Twitter and Instagram. The breaking ball looked good. Uh, the fastball has some movement. And he's young, obviously. He was coming off the Tommy John surgery, I believe. And so, again, first start in Lake Elsinore, and he was pitching to Ethan Salas. So, Hopefully that's a combo that we see for a while at the big league level. Like that would be, I'm excited to see that combo hopefully, um, in the future at the big league level. So we'll see about that, but that's just a quick update there. uh go going to the chat. Lego loss says my brother would like that nickname. What, what show is that from? Is that Hobbit? I think I don't watch that. So I have no idea what the heck that is really, but. Um, my brother has said Lego loss sometimes around the house. So anyway, Lego loss, thank you for the super chat. I really went on Peacock just to watch them lose. Yeah. Maybe some Padres fans like bought the Peacock monthly. I don't even know if you could, can you do it monthly? I have no idea, but maybe some Padres fans bought that just for today and they end up seeing the Padres lose and kind of have a lifeless performance in my opinion. So yeah, that sucks. All right. A lot of people commenting here today. Let's get to some of these here. Uh, Legolas again says he was the first comment. So super chat and the first comment. Thank you so much, man. Games like this are killing our playoff chances. That's what it feels like, huh? Just, you know, one game over 500 for a series, maybe making a little bit of ground. But then when you look at it from the 10 game sample size, five and five you didn't make up any ground losing three out of four was a real killer to this Padres team Mike says Padres had to have today's game no reason for this loss against a pitcher like that and with our ace on the mound pitiful just no fighting these guys at critical times well in the ninth inning they showed some fight I mean Bogarts worked that walk um they got like let's be honest I mean they were benefited from the bias air, obviously. Um, I didn't see them totally lay down, but I think it was more just frustrating of them just not coming through. Kind of felt like the, the Toronto game where they just didn't come through, you know, and when they don't come through, it looks like they don't fight, but you saw Tatis in the dugout, Mike. If you were watching the game, he was pissed off grinding into the double play. So I think they're fighting. It's just sometimes when you don't come through, it looks bad. And I will say, I'm not going to defend the Padres at all costs and, and be like, or at all times, I should say. I'm not going to do that and be like they're like I did earlier in the year. I admit I was wrong on that where I said it's stupid that, you know, the narrative going around, this team has no fight. They don't care because like a couple games later, Bob Melvin even said like they probably got to show a little more fight. Right. Um, So when the players are saying it, I think some players said it, or Manny talked about urgency and the manager said it. it's like, yeah, there's times where they needed to show more fight this year. And they need to continue doing that. Like, you can't lay down here. The, f- the fan base deserves better, right? But this road trip, I didn't really sense that they stopped fighting. I think sometimes it was just bad baseball. James says five and five, not good. I mean, yeah, five and five on this road trip, like... This was a really big road trip. I mean, I said it before the road trip happened, or I think the first day, right before the road trip started, I was like, these 10 games might dictate where this Padres team goes on the trade deadline. And with Suarez coming back, Campy coming back, I don't think that this team's going to full-out sell. um, Scyther and Preller publicly, their mentality is, we're going to buy. So if they stay where they are like this, and they're four games under. I don't think that they're going to trade, even though they probably should trade snow and Hater. I just don't feel like they will based on who is running this team. Um, but yeah, five and five. It What that tells us is the same stuff. Like this team's not a serious baseball team until they get over 500. They're an inconsistent baseball team. They're, mediocre maybe even less than mediocre they're still in the same spot they were entering this the unofficial second half after the all-star break you know so yeah i think that i think they should trade hater and snow right now not trade them like right now but right now my my mindset is like still trade hater and snow but i don't have a lot of confidence that this front office is going to actually do that Um, let's see here. Antonio says we should just write it out. I still think we will make wild card, but is that what our expectation should be for this team? Should we be okay with this team? I ah, just made their wild card and then got bounced in the wild card. If they're just going to do that, don't we want them to sell? Because world series was the expectation going into the season, right? So Why should we lower our expectations for this team? All that does is let this team off the hook, really. So if they're not going to make a deep run, might as well try to position yourselves to go make a deep run next year. Like, I know it sucks for me to sit here and say, no, I'll pass on the playoffs, but if you know that this team doesn't have it to go win the World Series, then why lose Hater and Snell for a draft pick, right? Dino's 5'1", says, making the wildcard trophy, that is still a failure out in first series. Yeah, again, like I just said, like based on the expectations of this team going into the season, and sure, maybe fans lo- have lowered their expectations based on how the team is playing, but I don't think you should be like, oh, yay, if they make the postseason and get bounced, yay, what a great year. No, that wouldn't be a great year. They'd be playing better baseball at the end of the season to make the postseason. But and I'll be excited for the wild card series if it happens because anything can happen. But if we know they're going to get bounced, like if you were to tell me, yeah, Ben, they're going to get bounced or they're not going to lose, they're not, they're not going to get past the DS. It's like, then why? Why even go? Why go through that? If the team's not going to go anywhere, position yourself to be better in the you know next year in the years. Following 2023. Brent says, how can anyone believe this team will make a run? Nothing we've seen from them all season would make us think that. Exactly. Like the five and one run that they went on before the all-star break. Trout got hurt during the angel series. Rendon got hurt. Otani sucked. Didn't get a hit. And the Mets are a bad team this year. So like how impressed should we even been there? Like that was kind of teasing Padres fans too. They win that race series even though they didn't even do that good with runners in scoring position. I remember that. And then they lose, I think three out of four to the giants in games that they could have won multiple games there that they could have won. So yeah, it's been teasing us all year long is what it feels like. No Dinos. No, they're not sweeping the Rangers. Now I think that they're going to get a break. Corey Seager, I think just went on the IL. So Padres aren't going to see him next weekend, but no, I mean, even if they do sweep the Rangers, like, are we going to think that, okay, they're back? Maybe it depends on what they do against the Pirates, but the Pirates aren't a good team. And correct me if I'm wrong, they beat the Pirates, or excuse me, they lost a series to the Pirates the last time they played them in Pittsburgh. Remember Tim Hill throwing it down the line when there was, he had no business doing that. Yep, I agree, Charmaine. Inconsistent, that's the word. Inconsistent. Brent says, I know sweeps are hard, but we had Joe going against the Tigers. Worst starter. Didn't he have like a six ERA going into this outing? I saw something. Someone said that on social media. It's like, wow, that's so Padres. If you want to join the show, just a quick reminder, you can click that link that that is pinned up at the top of the chat. You want to make sure I get your comment or your question, use that super chat button. Supports the channel as well, makes it very easy for me to see your comment or your question. Because there's a lot of comments in the chat here, so I'm just scrolling through and maybe I pass over yours. Yep, Pony, I got to that super chat. Thank you. Brent says the bench is pathetic anyway. May as well carry a third catcher so Campy can DH. I mean, yeah, like why have Carpenter on the roster right now? They have Rivas who can play first base. It's not like they need Carpenter to be there to be a backup first baseman for Crony, you know, and bring, I mean, Nola probably, the Padres probably want Nola taking at bats in AAA. So do they bring Brett Sullivan up and just have Nola catch every day for El Paso? and see if he can find something um yeah I, I get that i wouldn't be really opposed to that to be honest i mean matthew batten i for they showed a shot i think it was yesterday during one of the home run celebrations they showed him in the dugout i was like high-fiving guys matthew batten's on the roster i totally forgot about the guy so yeah i mean there's guys that are like useless on the bench They're, they don't play and carpenter's just useless when he's on in the box right now so yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to a third catcher to be honest. But it feels like they're are they waiting for the deadline to try to offload Carpenter's contract somewhere that a team that's willing to to take it on? I don't know what team that would be willing to do that, but that's just something that comes to my mind because Nolan and Carpenter are like the same player right now offensively. They don't have power. they're not giving you anything. They had Nola go down. I know there was an injury that you know Campy was available now but there's got to be someone that's better to have on the roster than Matt Carpenter. He's not giving anything to this this Padres team. Brent says, unfortunately, Jake's washed. I I disagree. I don't think he's washed. It's a bad year, but he's still in his prime. You're going to say he's washed when, what's, how old is he? 30? 29 you're going to say he's washed at 29 years old sorry i i disagree with that bad year he'd say that but he's not washed i think maybe changing his approach a little bit and doing it consistently will provide him better results jd's third says top of the lineup one for 16 yet we want to bitch about carpenter who at least got on base? Padres media is a joke and full of puppets for AJ Preller. JD Third, I get the point, and I think I've discussed this with you either in the comments on YouTube or during the live stream. I get that the top of the lineup has struggled a lot this year. Let's be clear: I'm not, you know, letting the top of the lineup off of the hook. Okay, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Hasan Kim. They've been good this year, but Manny, he's underperformed. He's been really good as of late though, but yes, underperformed. He's been bad. He needs to be better, you know, in totality this year. Same thing with Xander Bogarts. Same thing for Jake Cronenworth. Same thing for Gary Sanchez. You could say Trent Grisham needs to be better too, but maybe we have too high of expectations for him. I don't know. So yes, there's a lot of guys in the lineup that need to be better, but Matt Carpenter, it's kind of like, Austin Noah, it feels like whenever there's a big situation, he's the one that's up at the plate and he doesn't get the job done. And he he got a two-year contract before the season started. And we had higher expectations of him than Nelson Cruz. He got a $1 million contract, right? So, yeah, uh, especially when you hit over 300, I think it was with the Yankees last year. I think fans, it's okay for us to be like, yeah, Carpenter has sucked this year for the Padres. He needs to go. Why is he in the lineup when Luis Camposano could be in the lineup? You know, because there's a difference between Carpenter and some of the other stars, right? We know those guys are going to be in the lineup. We're trying to think of, I think Padres fans, if I if it's okay for me to speak for Padres fans, it's they think that, you know, Carpenter, there's someone better to replace him. With other guys, we know that Crony and Bogarts and Manny, like they're not going to be replaced by someone. They might have a day off, but they're in the lineup every day. That's just what it is. So, yeah, we're going to complain about some of those guys' performances, and we have this year. I just said, like those guys need to be better. But we're just trying to think of solutions here, I think. All right, Super Chat from Jason. Thank you so much here. Looks like they tired out on the last game of a long road trip. Glad that Suarez and Camposano are back. Eat the contract, DFA Carpenter. I think the DFA is coming after the deadline if they can't somehow have a team take the contract because, again, he's just not helping the team. He's taking up a roster spot. And I agree, yeah. Jason, I'm glad that Suarez and Camposano are back. I think is going to be starting most of the games. Uh, Gary... Hot start, but he just has not been able to continue that. And Campy's the young one. He's the one that'll be here past this season, at least you would think. And Gary could be here next season, but he's a free agent at the end of the year. Campy's not. So I think they're going to give Campy the shot, and we'll see what happens there with Suarez. For me, it's when are they going to unleash him and have him go back-to-back days, right? Because he just came back. And how consistent is he going to be able to throw based on the situation like do they only want him pitching like josh Hader when it's tied or when there's a lead or are they going to be okay with him pitching in a situation where they're losing because again it's it's later and later in the season time's ticking off that calendar maybe you can't afford and that's how i feel can't afford to have robert suarez just be pitching in only situations that are perfect high leverage eighth inning they have a, a one-run lead you know like he's probably got to pitch more now back-to-back days I understand that they don't want to do that because he just came back but they got to be pitching him consistently even if they don't have a lead like you just need your best guys out there and hope that the offense can come back I think all right where was I in the comments here Captain Zeno says, how do they get only three hits on a dude with a six-plus ERA? Yeah. That's Padres, right? I mean, what happened? Who was that during the Red Series? Graham Ashcraft or something where he dominated the Padres? That's just what it is. That's what the Padres do. They allow these guys to come in, have a bad ERA, and just, like, dominate them. Matt says, "I don't know if they will be buyers, but I don't think they deal Snell or Hader. Yeah, maybe just stand pat because Sighler wants to believe in this team. Preller probably doesn't want to sell, obviously, because that means that his all-in thing for this year didn't work out. But like standing pat, like so you're not getting anything back for Snell or Hader, and you're not going to go win the World Series. That that's my viewpoint on it. So, like Musgrove said, I think they still have a good, talented team now." good team based on wins losses it's not but they'll still have a talented team if they have snow and hater not on the roster so either way you're gonna have to play really good baseball and i don't know if this team is capable of that you're gonna have to play really good baseball to make the postseason and can they do that even with snow and hater not so sure about that Lizzie says, kind of sick of these blowout games. We are up eight runs, but hey, let's keep getting home runs. And then they completely go cold the next game. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, you wish that they could save points, you know, or excuse me, save runs. You wish that they could save uh, runs for the next game. Sorry, I'm a little bit in soccer mode because I've been following the World Cup. And points, you get three points for a win. You can't save the runs for the Padres in the next game, right? And I wish that they could because there's been a ton of blowouts and this Padres team would be maybe over 500 this season if they could save runs. But this consistency just is not there. It's great one game and then they do this the next. It's Yeah, it's frustrating. And it's almost, and I agree, Lizzie, kind of get tired of the blowouts. Like blowouts are fun, great. But the next day it's like, well, I'm kind of tired of talking about blowouts because the next day they don't do anything. And it's like, well, how much did that blowout really mean? You know, it's frustrating for sure. Lee says they lack urgency. They're simply comfortable money, good for a decade, or going to get their payday elsewhere. They handle business for personal stat line only. That's why you see such volatile efforts. I mean, I'm not going to say that about the whole team. Um, And maybe Matt Carpenter has a little bit of that in him. There's some times where I think Juan Soto doesn't hustle enough to balls, but he's been better as of late. um, And he's had a really good year. So I'm not going to go criticize Juan Soto a bunch. Um, And Tatis has had a really good year. Um, There's guys on this team that care. Tatis is one of those guys, I definitely think. I think Manny is one of those guys. I think Musgrove for sure is one of those guys. I think Crony is definitely one of those guys. I think Kasson Kim is definitely one of those guys. I'm gonna, I'm not going to go through every one because then I'm it's going to be unfair. I'm going to skip someone and forget someone. But those are guys that really stick out, you know, of the main players. Uh, Bogarts, I'll throw him in there because he's, uh, again, I'm not going to go all the way down, but Bogarts I got to mention too. Like, they do care. I think those guys do care. Uh, There's there's some other guys where it's like, okay, yeah, maybe lack urgency, or at least it looks on the field like you don't care. Um, But definitely not the whole team. I disagree about lacking urgency, the whole team. At points this year, they have, for sure. But right now, I think they realize that they need to have urgency. And sometimes, like I said earlier, it's more about bad baseball sometimes than urgency. All right, let's take a break, quick break here, and then uh, I'll get back to the chat and then get to some San Diego sports stuff. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick-em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest, The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes or if you'd like you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code talking friars and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, back to the chat here. Pat Don says, top of the lineup will have tough games. It's only magnified when a guy like Carpenter never produces for us. That's true. Mike says five and five on the road trip is the same as kissing your sister. The Padres have been involved in incest all season long, long, I think is what Mike is trying to say. Uh, I don't I've never really understood the kissing your sister thing. What does that mean? Like not great. Is that what that's supposed to mean? (laughs) Yeah, the, the road trip, if that's what it means, 5 and 5 it's not great. No. Uh I wanted like 7 and 3, especially considering that Philadelphia series where you had three nothing leads multiple times in the over that weekend there. Right? It feels like it was a month ago, but it was last weekend, right? Multiple leads and you couldn't end up finishing. Uh the Toronto series finale. I keep going back to that because they had opportunities there when the game was close with runners in scoring position, Matt Carpenter popped up, Crony popped up. Um Was there a double play in that spot? I, f- I forget if there was a big double play there. But, yeah, just guys not being able to come through when it was close and they probably should have won that game, you know. And Snell, again, Snell, like, the seven walks in that game, he kept the Padres still in the game, even pitching like that. So, yeah, the Padres – They have not been able to steal a bunch of games this year, right? Where other teams have. Steven says they needed more pitching, a first baseman, a designated hitter, catcher, and center fielder, and everyone was saying that in the offseason. The media said no superstar roster is something everyone wanted. Huh? The media said no superstar roster is something everyone wanted. Not true. I don't really get what you're saying there, Steven, but the first part, they needed more pitching. Uh, every team would say they need more pitching and every team probably after every offseason, they're probably not sitting there like, yeah, we have enough pitching. They'll probably say that to the media. Like, yeah, we're confident in our pitching staff, but you always want more pitching designated hitter. Uh, Brandon jury probably was a better pick, um, but. They tried to get Christian Vasquez. He went to the Minnesota Twins. They tried to get Jose Abreu, I think, went to the Houston Astros, and he hasn't even been doing that good this year. So I don't even know how much they missed out on that move. Um, and, you know, they they didn't want to overpay for Josh Bell, who went to Cleveland. And J.D. Martinez, I would have loved for the Padres to sign, but he had that relationship with Mookie, with the Dodgers, and with – Uh, the Dodgers, I think hitting coach, I think he was in Boston with JD or maybe that was his, maybe that's JD's personal hitting coach. I forget what the relationship there is, but the Dodgers had the advantage there. And I don't know if the Padres offered JD Martinez a deal. If they did, I would think that they would have offered him a multi-year deal to kind of sweeten the deal. They gave multiple years to Matt Carpenter, right? So, you know, the $1 million deal, the Nelson Cruz, some would, some could say that's a bad move, but. It was $1 million. It's more the Matt Carpenter deal. But all I'm going to say with Matt Carpenter is he has underperformed. He has been really bad this year. But I'm not going to sit here like some others and say, that was a terrible contract, idiotic. Why would Preller do that? Because I believe when that contract happened, I was someone who thought it was a creative contract, someone that was like, he found something last year with the Yankees. Look how good he did last year. He trained in the off season and he got hurt. So hopefully he just doesn't get hurt this year. And that's going to be a good addition to this Padres team. And by the way, I was not the only person that had that opinion. And there are other people that with that opinion at the beginning of the year, they still now will sit there and say, terrible contract by AJ. That was idiotic. What the heck is he doing? Just like they did with the crony extension when they liked that. Just like, the, just like they like the Bogarts contract and they're already crapping on that. It's like there's a lot of people that like to be – they're just jumping on whatever side is the best side to hop on. Like whatever side the, feels like most of the public is on, they just want to go on that side instead of having their own opinion, to be honest. That, that's how I feel on that sometimes. Lizzie says, what I don't understand is Toddy, Soto and Kim were playing good at the same time, but we're not winning many games. Freeman and Betts can win games with just them. Was it no hits with runners in scoring position? I would answer yes. Um, I guarantee the Dodgers runners in scoring position numbers are a lot better than the Padres. But it's not Betts and Freeman only winning games with just them. Like there's other talent in that lineup. I mean, J.D. Martinez was an all-star this year. <laughs> there, there's There's other talent in that lineup. It's just not a two-man lineup. Steven says, we don't need to tell Scyther to spend more money going forward. A mediocre team is okay if it is cheaper for the fans to support it. We don't need to pay ridiculous prices for this product. Well, yeah, if if every year it's going to be like this, then yeah, just have a mediocre payroll. But to have stars on the team, you're going to have to have a pretty high payroll. Sidler's not going to do this every year. The payroll is probably not going to be this high next year. Um, but I still want the payroll to be two hundred million over two hundred million dollars, because that means that there's talent on this team still. I don't want it to be twenty seventeen. You know, so I still want them to spend money, but let's have AJ spend the money a little bit wiser. Again, that's in hindsight, but before the off season, I was excited about the roster that aj constructed i knew that there were some holes but i I had world series expectations going in and i still have to have those now now it's weird hopefully you understand where i'm coming from with this i still have to have the world series expectations because i don't want to let this team off the hook it's been a bad year and i'm going to continue to say that i'm not lowering my expectations because of where they're at at the same time I don't think that this team will be a World Series team, if that makes sense. Like, if they don't win the World Series, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to be frustrated. It's going to be a failure of a season, especially if they miss the postseason. But I won't be frustrated in the sense that I expected them to do it because of how the season's gone. Hopefully that makes sense. And if it doesn't, I know I'm using expectations like I'm saying, I expect them to do this. I still have the whole I still have to hold them to that same level of expectation, but I don't expect them to do it. So it's kind of hypocritical and maybe doesn't make sense, but hopefully you get where I'm coming from with that. Like don't let this team off the hook. You might think like I do, like the season's probably not going to go anywhere, but don't let them off the hook. Don't be like, "Well, they fought." Okay. See all the holes in this roster. Okay, they fought. Okay. Well, no. Don't let them off the hook with that. If they're out of it and they stop trying, don't let them off the hook. Um, let's see. Reading the chat here. Steven says, Ben, the fans were not saying the things you are saying they were saying. The media wants horrible high payroll and superstar roster. What? The media... Of course the media wants a high payroll superstar roster because it makes it more interesting for them to cover. And usually those teams make the postseason at least, right? They want to cover a winning team. It's more fun for them too. Do do they want to go in the clubhouse every day and ask the players the same questions, ask Bob Melvin the same questions about them not being able to have a four-game win streak, not be able to be consistent? They don't want to do that. Of course they want the team to be successful and have stars on it, because there's more interest there. Of course they do. And, Stephen, talking about your, your point, the fans were not saying the things you are saying they were saying. Uh, no, I, I disagree. Now, social media is not the whole fan base, but the, the fan base, it felt like they were excited about the Bogarts move, about the team continuing to go all in. Now, long-term, probably not excited, but now excited. And now people are like, that was a dumb move. Didn't need a shortstop, all that. Um, the crony extension people were happy about that when that happened. I remember that people were happy about that. And now those same people are crapping on the contract. People were happy about the Matt Carpenter move because they saw what he did with the Yankees the year before that. And he just got hurt. They were excited about that and the creative contract, you know, and the the contract is based on him, um, is it? I think there were incentives in it, right? So part of it was him playing well. That was based on if he was going to get those incentives, obviously. So it was a creative contract. And so fans liked that at the time. And now they're saying it's an idiotic contract. What the heck was Preller doing? And I think it's fair for us to say, yeah, looking at hindsight, that was a bad contract, but to say it was a, crappy contract what to 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 attack preller on the contract when you liked it when it happened like aj can't control what carpenter is doing right if he knew carpenter was going to do this of course he's not signing him to the contract so i'm not gonna i don't want to make it seem like i'm defending preller 100 on every move i get it not every move has been good there have been moves that have been bad I, i understand that but I just I just don't like the fans that they're on one side and then less than a year in they're de- they're on the, the extreme opposite side of the art the of the uh, you know the opinion on was it a good contract or not did they like the move or not but that's what you get to do when you're a fan and you don't have to be held accountable really for what you think when the moves were made you know all right. And if anyone is taking that personally, like you think I'm attacking you, I'm not. I'm not attacking anyone that's watching or listening. I've just seen, and I'm not talking, I'm not trying to attack specific people, anyone. I've just seen multiple, numerous, when I'm scrolling social media and all that, people that have opinions that it's like, oh, okay, that's a total 180 from what you said when this deal happened. You know, that's all. Um, okay. Other San Diego sports stuff. So the San Diego wave on Friday night, which was right after the U S women's national team game, I'll update you on that. If you did not see my U S women's national team reaction video to their three, nothing win over Vietnam on Friday night, I posted that on the channel on Friday night. After that game happened, I'll get to that here, but the Wave they lost to the thorns four to one, they had a little bit of a break. But then they were back. They're going to have a few games, and then they're going to have another break before, I believe, the regular season resumes. Um, So 4-1 was the loss. Didn't really ever seem like they were in it. There were some close opportunities. Taylor Corniak had a header opportunity. She did score, by the way, but it was late. Made it 4-1. You know, the game was over. Uh, Rachel Hill almost got a header goal as well. But here's where it's, like, not totally fair. The Wave, they have their backup goalkeeper. Portland has their starting goalkeeper because that goalkeeper didn't make the U.S. Women's national team or whatever country. And Kaylin Sheridan made Canada, obviously. She's the starting keeper for Canada. So it's kind of unfair, but it's good that most of these matches that they're playing uh, are Challenge Cup matches, so it doesn't count towards the regular season because, let's face it, it would not be fair to the San Diego Wave and to other teams, kind of like the Washington Spirit. They're a team that points out uh, they they stick out in my head or ol rain where there's a lot of players that are on the u.s women's national team or playing for other countries in the world cup and they don't have those players there right the wave no alex morgan no naomi gurma no kaylin sheridan no sophia jakobsen no emily van Eggman like those are five of their best players right we know morgan gurma sheridan those are like their core three players on that roster and they're gone so it wouldn't be fair to have the regular season continue happening. It did for a little bit, but the whole time wouldn't be fair to have the regular season continue to happen while other teams might have some more familiarity with each other because not as many players are playing in the World Cup, you know? But this is Challenge Cup. They're 1-0-2 now in Challenge Cup play. Uh Bedford scored twice in the ninth minute and the 58th minute for Portland. Uh Weaver scored for Portland in the 54th minute. And Reyes scored in the 61st minute. Uh, Corniak, again, had that header in the 81st minute, but it just didn't feel like this team was ever really in it. Uh, I'm just glad that the U.S. Women's National Team was able to get the win uh, earlier in the night to allow me to kind of forget that this match even happened because it wasn't very pretty. Uh, Next match for the Wave, July 28th at OL Reign, 7 p.m. on Paramount+. Plus. So. They got a week to prepare for that match. And then I believe they have a, another Challenge Cup match coming back home. And that match is against Angel City on August 5th. So that's their next home match, August 5th, Challenge Cup match. Their final, I believe their final Challenge Cup match of group the group stage, group play, And then their next scheduled match after that uh, is against Gotham at home, August 19th. And that is the next regular season match, which hopefully is right before the U.S. is playing in the World Cup final. Um, Speaking of the U.S. Women's national team, if you missed that video, again, in my reaction, I recommend you go check that out. But just quick kind of recap, U.S. wins 3-0. Sophia Smith scores twice. Lindsay Horan scores once. Naomi Gurma. Did everything that she was supposed to do. Didn't get a whole lot of action because Vietnam didn't have a whole lot of action uh on USA's side of the field, right? Which was expected. Vietnam, they just got into this tournament. They're the, like they were like the 32nd ranked team according to FIFA. So not totally shocked there. Um, the wave, you know, Alex Morgan, some of the wave players, I should say. Alex Morgan, one of those, missed a penalty kick, it wasn't the greatest penalty kick, but. I think she'll learn from that for her next penalty kick opportunity, and she'll be able to get it to the back of the net there. And then she had some scoring opportunities as well outside of just the penalty kick and couldn't convert there. But it was the first game, and I think she'll be better. I have no reason to believe that she won't be better uh, moving forward in this tournament. Next match for the U.S. Women's National Team is on Wednesday. They face off against Netherlands, which should be their Hardest opponent in group stage. They play Portugal after Netherlands. Those are the three teams: Vietnam, Netherlands, and Portugal. And uh, some of the things that Vlatko Antonovski did was interesting. I mean, Julie Ertz play, um, having Rachel Mello play. Roosevelt had some minutes restrictions, so it made sense a little bit. But no, Alana Cook. We'll see if she plays in the Netherlands in the Netherlands game, or if Vlatko his his uh idea or his game plan is just to have Ertz go be one of the defensive uh, defensive players essentially alongside one of the center backs alongside Naomi Gurma which ended up working out like Ertz got a lot of headers in there got some balls out but Vietnam is not as good as Netherlands so we'll see how that works out. Ertz is going to play but we'll see how that works out there. And we'll see if Lynn Williams gets playing time. I know that's not Sandy away but we'll see if Lynn gets some playing time, um, if Alyssa Thompson plays a little bit more, um, we'll see. We'll see how the situation develops there uh, in New Zealand for the U.S. Women's national team. But, you know, Alex Morgan, she, she had an assist. The first Sophia Smith goal, a great touch for Sophia Smith uh, in her direction from Alex Morgan. Haran passed it in. So Morgan did have an impact despite missing some opportunities there. But yeah, so U.S. Women's national team next match against Netherlands and the Wave their next match against O.L. Reign. All right, any more comments here to close out the show? Mike says, I think the Potters are playing Carpenter, hoping he can get hot so they can trade him, but who wants his contract? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, who's going to want to take on his contract? And if they do, the Potters are not going to get really anything back. Of significance, right? JD's third says T- six teams ahead of us now, six games out, four under 500. Mets could jump us, which would make seven teams for chasing. Easy peasy. He's being sarcastic there. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Like again, like I said earlier, they're going to have to play really good baseball if they want to be in the postseason. I don't see them making the postseason, but. Maybe they'll change my mind at some point. They'll allow even pessimistic fans to start believing because they actually you know, go on a four-game winning streak. They can play better ball consistently. But we haven't seen it yet this year, so why should we believe in this team? That's kind of my viewpoint on that. JD's Third says Dodgers, 6-3 and three road trip for them with the Mets, Orioles, and Rangers. Is that good? Could our Padres do that? I don't really believe they can. Because they haven't really shown that, right? I mean, what's their best road trip this year? Let me try to look that up. Maybe someone in the chat will remember what their best road trip was. And earlier, by the way, I did see in the chat. Earlier in this, in this show, I did say that they lost a series to Pittsburgh. Um, they got swept, I believe. So I'm just looking at the road trips here. So I think they had a 500-road trip, Braves-Mets. At D-backs, that was D-backs-Cubs. They won one, two, three, four games and lost one, two, three. So there was a winning road trip there. All right. I guess, yeah, their best road trip probably was D-backs-Cubs-Giants. Because the Giants, the two Mexico City games, well, actually, I probably shouldn't consider those on a road trip because those were Padres' home games, technically. Yeah, just looking at these road trips, I mean, it's not – there's not a lot of impressive road trips. And it's not surprising because look at the Padres' record, right? They're four games under five hundred. They had a three-game road trip in Colorado, One, two out of three. They had a four game road trip road series in San Francisco lost three out of four. There were games that they could have won there. And we know what happened. I know the nationals was not a road trip, but that stretch, they went two and seven against the Nats, pirates and Reds. So yeah. And then a five and five road trip here. So yeah. Haven't really had any great road trips. Like the Dodgers just went 6-3, and three, what J.D.'s third's telling me. So, yeah, don't really believe in this team. Um, there's been ups and downs, inconsistency. They're going to have to prove it to the fan base if they want the fan base's trust. I don't think they care. I think they care about winning and being in the postseason. Just go win. Win more games, and maybe we'll start to trust you more. All right, episode 431, that's a wrap. Ben Fan signing off. Thank you so much for the time. Have a great rest of your day. I appreciate it. If you are watching this on YouTube live or on replay and you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, I recommend you to do so. I'd appreciate that. And there's a podcast version of this. So if you want to check it out over there and you don't have time to watch it, you can check it out over there. Just look up Talking Friars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening to this on the podcast platform, it's on YouTube. There you go. All right. See everybody. Have a great day.